Welcome again to LexCity.tv. We're so glad you've joined us today for Summer at Lex City. No matter where you're joining us from, we're happy to have you as a part of our online church family. We're so grateful for the way that you generously give to support the ministry of our church. More information about the online giving process can be found on LexCity.info by clicking on Give Online. You can also text to give at 84321. Now let's join Pastor Dave as we continue to focus on Jesus together. Welcome to Lake City Church. I'm so glad to be here worshiping with you this morning. I'm Dave Griffith. I'm the ministries pastor here at Lake City, and I'm excited about uh, today just being here together with you on this holiday weekend. You may be here in the room or watching online. For those of you that are there, you're in your living room. You may be on a boat today celebrating. Who knows where you are? But uh, Or if you're watching this later on demand, special welcome to you. I'm so glad that you're here for today's topic. This summer, as Zach said it, here, we're going to be talking about parables here uh, all summer, and the teaching team is going to take a shot at looking at the parables that Jesus spoke, the words he spoke thousands of years ago that are still speaking to our lives to this day. A parable, a story that tells a bigger story, and how Jesus may want to speak that to us. And that's exactly what uh, is true for today's parable, because we're going to be looking at um, what Jesus said at the end of Matthew chapter 7, if you have your Bible, you may want to turn there, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, or you can go uh, to lexcity.info, there's uh, everything that's happening there at our church, and you can follow the notes online there if you'd like to as well. This passage that we're going to be looking at is at the end of three chapters that we grouped together called the Sermon on the Mount. If you have a red letter Bible that tells you what the, Jesus, the words that Jesus actually spoke, you'll notice that for three chapters, it's all read. Jesus is basically on a filibuster, <laughs> this amazing sermon that, that he has. Um, and uh, Jesus is, is making this profound point and he gets to the end of his uh, passage that we're gonna look at today. But it starts with Matthew, uh, excuse me, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse one. One day, he saw the crowds gathering, and Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down <clears throat> with his disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach. Now, Matthew gives us the impression here that Jesus gives the greatest sermon ever preached kind of on a whim to the group of people following him when he sees this opportunity and the crowds forming on this mountainside, the hilltop, and he leans in to begin to teach his followers, but also speaking to all the people that are standing around. And he begins to speak to things I think that their hearts have been longing to hear for a long time. Just something, if someone would speak to this. If you've read this sermon in its entirety, or if you look at it, it's amazing. Jesus hits tons of different topics. Everything from anger to divorce, recovery, uh, uh, revenge, loving your enemies, money, judgment of others, prayer, what it looks like to be a true follower of God. He's all over the place speaking to all of these things. 
And he speaks to every one of them uh, and kind of lays out the common thought and common practice of the day, what every opinion has already been formed. He's kind of calling that uh, into a question. And he paints a picture on the other side of what life could look like following after him. And I think it's blowing the minds of the people that are watching. He said, you have heard it said this, but I say this. And I think the more and more they listened, the more people were either getting upset because of the stir he was bringing to the everyday life thought or leaning in with this inspiration to say, could my life actually look like what this man is talking about? Either way, Jesus was speaking to his followers and everyone was listening. And he paints this picture of a life that just is the mundane living that kind of leads to despair or a picture of life that you always dreamed on. And he concludes his sermon with this parable and the future of your life and my life at the center. Matthew 7, 24 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus sums up his whole sermon with this picture, the the parable of two different builders deciding to build on two different foundation choices, right? If you know this uh, passage of scripture well, you probably know that Jesus doesn't spend much time talking about the curb appeal of these two houses or even the, the building practices of the builders from the ground up. He talks about their foundation choices. And he's clear to say that no matter where they choose to build their house, the storms of life come. Torrents of rain, flood waters, high winds, they came against each structure regardless of the place that it was built. That one single decision of where to build the house was the difference for each of these homes. Jesus says that if you listen to my teaching and you follow it, it will go well, even in the midst of the storms of life that are gonna come your way. And just like that, his sermon is over. He drops the mic, walks off with his disciples in tow, and leaves everybody with this picture of deciding between these two things. The picture uh, in their minds is crystal clear, and I think it's clear for us too. I mean, we've seen, you can see this in every aspect of life, in building and in, in real life, and we have the internet. You, could, you can search this topic and find tons of them. In fact, I did that this week. Here's a couple. This is a storm survival house. Look at the devastation around it. I think this was actually just a few weeks, a few uh, years ago, Mexico uh, Beach, Florida, They did some studying of that house. You can guarantee the foundation of that one was different. This one versus this one, uh, that one, not even a storm situation there, just a little too close to the coast after a lot of erosion, and I think you could say that one is a little out of level. Or maybe you could, uh, there's some more famous ones. This one, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, Structural engineers are still arguing about when this thing is going to fall, but they know it's going to happen at some point in time, versus this one, the La Ument Lighthouse in northern France, uh, a a picture of soundness, and and you can obviously believe there's some rock involved in that one. These pictures are all over the place. We see them 
in our lives, and we can, you can look at the life of a person and even sometimes uh, see this. I know a little bit about this topic because I was in commercial construction for 15 years before I became a pastor. I was a project manager at a design-build firm, and we got the opportunity to do a lot of different uh, projects. We had a variety of things that we did, but I, I know what it's like to come in after something has not been well-built to try to make something out of that, and I know how the painstaking work that it takes to bring a building out of the ground and, and to make something from it from the ground up. I remember this one project we were doing, it was a 30,000 square foot addition onto a structure that already had some uh, issues, you'll say, and uh, with the soils report that we got for this piece of property said that the soil bearing was uh, available and, and would, be, would meet the requirements for what we were going to be adding to it. And we're soon into the project, the digging is happening, and I'm there on site. And you can soon tell that that's not going to be the case. The dirt that's coming out of there looked weird. It just, everything about it was strange. I remember standing in the middle of the site, uh, kind of in a disagreement with the geotech engineer about the, the, what, what, are we going to be able to do what we want to do when the excavator, the next swipe of it, took some dirt out and debris and kind of trash rubble fell out of the side of this ditch. I jumped down in the ditch uh, that was kind of deep at this point and lifted up a medicine bottle that had a date on it from the 1930s. And I handed it to the guy and the discussion was over. <laughs> we, we ended up taking the whole site down to solid rock. We put a basement under a building that didn't even have that as an intent in order to bring it, this structure back up. It's, it's crystal clear in my mind. You could talk about it all the different places where integrity and the foundation of something mattering for the days to come. We have so many examples of it in our life that if you're going to take time to build a home or more importantly, build a life, do it on something that will stand the test of time. Do it on the truth. And building on that truth that Jesus is the son of God and putting your faith in him and following what he taught as the foundation for your life is what you want to build on. So for your sake and for your children and grandchildren, and all everyone that comes after you, and if you haven't already done that, I kind of want to start with that today to say um, you want to take care of that one before the rains come. That's the foundation that is uh, one you want to build on. But for most of us, it's such a no-brainer. We've seen stories like this. I'm going to build my house on rock. I'm not going to build on sand. I want this to be a long-lasting thing. Absolutely, yes, I'm in. And we begin to put our faith in Christ, and then that's when the negotiations start, right? If your life is like mine, you see in commercial construct or in, in just structural construction in general, there's a, a term called differential settlement. It's a term that's used to describe a building or a structure that's bearing on two different capacities. The definition is this. Uh, a condition in which a building support foundation settles in an uneven fashion, often leading to structural damage. Okay? It looks like this. Basically, you have one side of the building that's, something on, that's built on rock and points of the building. Another point or side of the building that's built on compressible soil. And what happens is over time, the compressible areas begin to settle and cracks form, as the definition says, that damage is the result of it. And what was once a ribbon cutting, let the whole world come and see what's new, check out this new thing, can soon become the questioning of the integrity of the whole deal, right? Because of the structural damage in different spots that you can see. 
You see, it's an all-or-nothing thing. You build on rock, or you can build on soil if it's, if it's continuous, but the div- division of the two is where the sh- cracks and the strains begin to show up. And because, after all, digging is so hard, and <laughs> no one's ever even going to see it, this is where we begin to choose the easier path in our life. And we just justify different point, parts and say, it's no big deal in this area, I'll let this one go, that sort of thing. And I think Jesus is calling us today to slow down, take a little inventory of where we may be building on some sketchy material that we actually don't really even have to. And to sum it up in a word, integrity matters in the building process and even more so in our lives. And integrity is such an important uh, topic for the Christ follower because here at the end of Jesus' sermon on the mount, he gives this picture he, he lets them decide, you will either listen to my words and obey them, or you'll just blow them off and come up with your own set of guidelines to lead your life by. Integrity is defined by honesty and uprightness, whether it's in the light for everyone to see or whether it's in the foundational places, in the behind-the-scenes area where no one will ever know. But I think we get confused all the time as we talk about this topic. I think integrity is just abiding by the rules is what we sometimes land on. But what's interesting about Jesus' teaching is the whole way through this sermon, he's talking about the rules and then ratchets the, 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 uh, the calling up so high that people, their minds are blown. Abiding by the rules is important. But Jesus spent three chapters letting us know that the condition of the heart is where it's at. It goes much deeper than just adhering to social norms. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says, People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord is looking at the foundation where it matters most, in these places that no one can see, and the hard work is really done. And you know that's true, right? People, you don't get a lot of props from this work. People don't come to your brand new house. After all the decorating, all the picking out, the paint colors, the use of space, the cabinets, everything, no one walks in and says, the bearing condition of this soil must be amazing. No one, no one says that. We pulled up and we could tell this house was built on rock. No, it's not on people's minds. So it's got to be on ours if it's going to go to that depth in our life, right? In fact, I need a picture of that that would keep it uh, forefront in my mind. And here's here's the picture of integrity that I came up with. Okay, this is not my dog. This is Jim Marshall's dog, the, the Marshall family, and his name is Boo. Now, no one in the family can remember why he's named Boo, but it's, that's his name. Uh, it's a Marshall thing you wouldn't understand anyway. So this is Boo, and Boo is amazing because if you put Boo at one end of the kitchen and you take his food and you set it at the other end of the kitchen and you tell Boo to stay, Boo stays there until the command is given. Boo will stay in that spot, bowl over here. All the family can do it. It doesn't have to be one person. And they'll say, finally, the, the, the word when Boo can eat is break. When they say break, Boo can run to his food and eat. Okay, they play all different games, especially Jackson. If you're watching online, you you don't know this family, but they're amazing. Jim's one of the elders here at our church, but their son Jackson will move the ball all around where Boo then has to go find it, but he sits in this spot. So Jim tells me the story one day. He feeds Boo, does the thing Boo sit, stay, puts the food down. Pam calls from the bedroom, and Jim goes in to talk to Pam. Now you know probably where this story is headed. Jim totally forgets that Boo is in the kitchen. 
20 minutes goes by as he's doing all these other things, comes back into the kitchen, and there is Boo with a pool of slobber building underneath him, right in front of him. Bowl six feet away from him and drool running down his chin. And Jim is like heartbroken. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Break and instantly Boo goes over, you know, and begins to eat this food. The reason that is the picture of integrity for me is because I think God is, is like looking the whole earth, looking the United States, looking Kentucky, looking in Lexington, wherever you're watching from, looking to say, I want somebody who is willing to stand up and say, I'm not going to move until the master says I can. Like, I, will, I would rather forego this bowl of food in order to please the one I'm seeking after. What a picture. I just for, for some of us to be able to say, this, there is a limit. Mm, sorry, I'll get emotional talking about it. There's a limit in my life. Look at my life and see. Finances, language. When other people are walking out, I will go walking in. When gossip becomes the social communication style of the day, I won't have any part of it. When no one is loving their wife or their spouse and no one knows how to do it, I, excuse me, will be that person. Racial division, if it's happening in my sphere of, excuse me, sphere of influence, I'll refuse to participate because of the foundations that I'm building in my life. I think it matters for us, but it also matters for the legacy that we're leaving behind us. As Solomon writes it this way, as he's speaking to his sons, uh, Proverbs 4, 20 through 27, he says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to your whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for <clears throat> it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. You can actually set a limit in your life, Solomon is saying, and not just leave everything up for grabs in the moment. It can be one that you believe God is leading you on in your life, and then you can go for it. I remember hearing a message like this in my early days of being in college, and it changed the foundations of my life. This differential settlement is a real thing. Like, we get to pick and choose what we're going to build on, and it happens on a regularly occurring basis. Now, I want to tell you today, somebody needed to probably hear this, that you really can declare some things that are going to be true of you. This is going to be who I am. This is the path my life is going to take. But if your life is anything like mine, it's a whole lot easier to say that, right, than it is to do it. <clears throat> this is all sounds so simple. Jesus just declares it, drops the mic and walk off, and then I say you can just declare some things. But I, So I wanted to not just leave you with the call to live a life of integrity and see what God does with it, but to give you some gauges that you can build uh, on in your life. So... First of all, let me just give you the gauge kind of in your tool belt, in your, uh, in your tool bag to be able to say, this is a gauge I'm going to look at to see, <clears throat> am I building on the uh, on foundation of the rock? First one is humility. It starts, I think, with the condition of the heart. 
It says, I'm under authority, and what he says, what he teaches is what I'm going to follow. Uh, I'm, I, it's a posture that says, I don't know everything, um, but I have something to learn, and I'm going to learn it. Um, you may know what this is if you've ever pulled a trailer or seen somebody that has one. This is called a clevis pin. And uh, um, the trailer, you know, the truck or trailer or car or whatever is here with a ball hitch on it. And then you have the trailer out here and there's a tongue that attaches to that ball. That, the vehicle does all the heavy pulling and the trailer has the load on it. And there's this connection where, where everything, you know, happens at that point. This is not the piece that pulls the heavy load. Thank goodness it's kind of puny. But if you put it in the right spot, there's a little pin at the top where the clevis pin goes in. This clevis pin will hold the whole thing together. It doesn't do the heavy lifting. It, it's not the piece that you actually can pull a load without this. It, it can work. <clears throat> but you have to do your part in following, and God has to do his part in the leading but respect for authority and humility in your life is the key that will hold this whole thing together. Without it, it goes really bad. In fact, you can attest, I can attest to Scott Tomlin picking me up on the side of the road when I didn't have one of these, and he came and saved the day for me. Like, just this one factor that says, I don't have it all together. Like, God, I need you in my life. Romans 12, 13 says, don't think of yourself as better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation with yourself measuring yourself by the faith that God has given you. My integrity is not based on the pride that I will not or I cannot make mistakes. It's based on the fact that I know that I will make mistakes and God is still on my side. I'm under his authority and I'm under his grace, which leads us to the second gauge, authenticity. <clears throat> not just humility, but authenticity. James 5, 6 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I, this passage blows my mind. Now, we kind of know uh, this concept. If you confess your sins to God, you will be forgiven, right? 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins to God, he will forgive me. Then James goes a step further and says, if you confess your sins to one another, healing will come. It's the craziest thing. Why can't that just come when I confess my sins to God? God somehow designed community, the connection with other people to be where healing enters into your life. It's this crazy thing, the authenticity with which I live my life in connection with the people around me is what God uses to heal us. Every time I gauge this one in my own life, it makes my path straighter. Being authentic about the sin and the shortcomings in my life doesn't just help keep us humble. The scripture says that it leads to healing, and it's an internal change that happens. It may be physical, it may be emotional, it may actually be <clears throat> a healing, physical healing that comes your way. And that's why being a part of a small group is so important. Just the connection of people in your life to be able to spur you on in your integrity, but just in life to say, I I'm in this with you. I'm not going to leave you uh, by your side. Um, we have small groups that are going to be launching at the end of the summer, and I want to just say, you could decide today, I'm going to jump into one of those. I've never done it before, or I've done it in the past, and I haven't been, just to be a part, be in community with some people that can spur you on in your walk with Christ. So ask yourself to gauge this, uh, uh, this authenticity in your life. When was, here's the question for you. When was the last time you said the words, 
I'm sorry, will you forgive me? It's a great gauge for where things may be actually settling in your life. And then lastly, humility, authenticity, and then lastly, intentionality. Whenever I get caught living in the complacency of things, uh, in complacency in life, things begin to erode in my life. There's a big difference between having intentions and being intentional, right? One is a state of mind, and one is, the other one is a state of being, this whole concept of being intentional. You know the difference in your marriage, right? For those of you watching online, there's a totally different thing between asking your wife to go on a date and taking her versus I intended to take my wife on a date, right? Is, is that right? Someone just got the stink eye. So, there's a big difference between I intended to buy you flowers and, okay, I'm just going to stop right there because I'm getting us all into trouble, especially myself, right, Wendy? <clears throat> There's a huge difference between intentions and being intentional, the action that comes with it. Integrity says that I will come through for you versus I had thoughts of coming through for you. You may have heard it said it this way before. We judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions, right? And we usually say that to say, don't, don't judge others so harshly, which is true. But I say, what about judging our actions? What, what about actually putting to say, God, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go for it in my life, and I wanna meet you right there to see what you wanna do with it. I am intentionally building, or am I just hoping for the best? It's a great gauge to say, where am I shoring up foundations in my life? What rock am I building on, or is it a little squishy? It's a gauge that helps me <clears throat> in my life when I define my integrity, and a lot of times it comes through just some disciplines, my prayer life, my time in the Word. When those things start to wane in my life, uh, other parts of my life do too. I think there's this implied thing that Jesus said when he said, listen to my words and follow them. It's implied that we have to know what he said and have a desire to, to do what he, what he said. I don't know any other way to do that other than to be in the word, to pray through it, to be around people who are talking about it. That's why I love this church so much. Lake City Church grounded in the truth of God and providing real connections for people to be able to experience that online, together, whatever the, the season may be. Humility, authenticity, intentionality will equal integrity in your life. Those are some gauges that have been helpful to me. Hopefully they'll be helpful to you. So I close today with the same call to action that Jesus did. One of a wise situation and one that's foolish. One with solid footing, the other with constant worry about what's coming my way. It doesn't exempt you from bad weather, but building on the solid rock of Christ will provide a home that will stand for generations to come in your life and in the lives of those that will come after you. Do the internal foundational work and let God get all the glory. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for words that you spoke, a simple story from ages ago that everyone who has heard it is like, no, duh, of course I'm gonna do that. Yet, Lord, we compromise all the time and we, we ask you to stay out of this part of my life, and I've got this, I'll take care of this one. And so, Lord, I pray right now for my friends, wherever they are, 
Lord, would you speak to those places in our hearts where we're just building on, on soil that we don't have to, and we can give those places to you. Father, would you not only shore us up, would you forgive us, would you pick us up, and Lord, would you use our lives to be a beacon to the people around us. Father, bless this church and everyone that hears this message, Lord, because your words are truth for all time, and we pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. What a great message. Thanks for joining us here at LexCity.tv today. Don't forget, all services are available to watch on demand at LexCity.church or on our LexCity app. You can follow us on social media at LexCity Church for daily content and photos from the week, as well as updates and upcoming events. Again, we are so glad you decided to join us today, and we'll see you next week right back here on LexCity.tv.